Cast of the cinema. Trying to make me laugh during the... You were doing it to me first. No. Nope. Uh, no. No. Untrue. Mm, no. Was it? You decided... Here, I, I'm out here using my words during the sound check. You were giving me a stare and you, you, like I was you were using, trying to make me laugh. I was using my words during the sound check, and you decided that it was time to mock and belittle <laughs> my... Effervescent vocabulary <laughs> built from years of word power building via Reader's Digest. I'm sorry if I was a harm causer. Dave White, co-host of this podcast with me, Alonzo Duralde. Yeah. We're both film critics. Yeah. Uh, I currently am the chief U.S. film critic. You're the, the, you're the one who's employed. Right uh, you are doing you are doing the good work here on this program. I guess technically this is employment. Yes, and I guess you know the, 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 we go on KCRW once a month. Yeah. That's employment. We're, empl- right. we're employed I'm by un- I'm underemployed. That I'll give you that. We are employed by our Patreon subscribers, and hey, if you're not yeah, a Patreon subscriber, lucky you! It's the end of summer when we make available to you on the main feed the different programs Everything free. that we do that normally only our Patreon uh, folks get. Yeah. So take a listen. Maybe you'll like it. And if you like it enough, you'll want to go to patreon.com slash linoleum knife. Subscribing. And get that in your inbox on yeah. a regular basis. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but in the meanwhile, enjoy all the goodies this week while I am um, traipsing about the Venice Film Festival. Tomorrow, Alonzo leaves for Italy. Uh, but while he's gone, all of those episodes are going to drop. We have recorded them. Well, most of them. And we'll get them all done before I leave. Yeah. I mean, he's not leaving until three o'clock tomorrow afternoon. So we got scads of time. We have a few hours left to knock back a couple more. Sure. It'll be easy and fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and I've already decided how the fun is going to keep rolling. Oh? When you come home. Mm-hmm. You know, aside from the fun of just, you know, seeing me, living with me, laughing with me, <laughs> loving me. Or as the sign that you put in every room of our house says, yes. live, laugh, love. That is, a, yes. We have one in every, uh, every room to remind us. <laughs> The um, you're gonna see a bunch of movies that when you're in Venice, yes, Europe, Italy, mm-hmm. you're gonna be seeing a lot of movies that aren't opening until like later in September, some of them in October, some in November, some even in December. True, you're seeing a lot of fall, fall biggies, yeah, yeah. You're gonna come home, you're gonna give a little report, okay, but. I'm going to be seeing things 
that you haven't seen okay. while you're gone. So I'm going to give a little report, too, and it's going to be just this cavalcade, an onslaught of us talking over each other about films the other, other one, one hasn't, hasn't seen, seen yet. Wow, that's good podcasting. It's going to be really good podcasting. <laughs> you know why? We're very good at podcasting. It's true. Good Com- podcast. Coming up on our 13th anniversary of, podcasting. of this show. Yeah. Yes, this show uh, has been around longer than we've been legally married. Yeah. If you count it na- nationally. Uh, na- federally. Na- federally. Yes. Yeah. We've been a California lavender marriage since like <laughs> 2008. Correct. Um. Hey, did you hear the one about Kevin Sorbo? <laughs> I think the response to that is, what now? No dinner chat today because uh, we just had to order in some pizza for yes. the, the sake of ease. And he's got packing to do and there's just so much going on. Yeah. Um, did you, did, no, did you I actually did not did hear not? the one about Kevin well, Sorbo? You know, I'm always up for, the, I'm always listening for new news about Kevin Sorbo. How could you not? He was on one of those dumbass conservative uh, either television programs or uh, podcasts or mm-hmm. YouTube uh, fiascos. And he said that um, being a Christian has cost him jobs in Hollywood. Oh, really? He goes, that's what happens to you. When you become a Christian, mm-hmm. they don't want you anymore. And I was thinking to myself, a anti-Semitic dog whistle. Oh yeah, I didn't think about that, <laughs> but that's that's one of them. Yeah, yeah, because um, he's that he is that kind of guy. Oh yeah, he's a real piece of work. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I was just th- what I was actually <laughs> thinking. You thought the best thing, and I thought the dumb thing. <laughs> What's the dumb thing? Well, I mean. Why don't you go cry to Chris Pratt about that? Yeah, exactly. That's well, that's the thing. Do you it's know like, what the difference is, though, between you and Chris Pratt? He's not a relentless a hole in public. Yeah, and there are still people who like him and want to see him act. And he, he has been a, a, an actor that people have enjoyed for years now. And you were on the, the Hercules show. Yes. It, it 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 amazes oh, me. And I'm sorry. And then you made the God's Not Dead movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. And the Left Behind. And the Left Behinds and all the other nonsense things exactly. that you give your uh, life to. Look, careers in the entertainment industry are volatile. You can be up one minute and you down can. the next. That's true. But, boy, there is just no sense of victimhood like An evangelical. being Scott Bayo. <laughs> And being convinced that the only reason that you're not getting an audition for the next Christopher Nolan movie is because is you because love Jesus, you love too Jesus much. and Donald Trump. Yeah. And no other reason. Certainly. What else could there be? Mark Wahlberg is yeah. so Catholic you can't even stand yes. it. Mel Gibson. <laughs> like, <laughs> caught on tape. Does it matter? Apparently not. Still and has a career. Anybody who listened for the first time, we can talk all that ish we want uh, because Alonzo is a former Catholic and I'm a former evangelical. Yeah. We both came up in our respective ways. 
you a little more laissez-faire. I, I was I was deep in the, the well. Bu- I was deep in the muck. Uh, laissez-faire is kind of an essential tenet of modern American Catholicism, <laughs> unless you're Mel Gibson. I think or for Jim Caviezel. Or yeah, whoever. I think most yeah. people who are raised Catholic, as as uh, I forget who put it this way, that the Bible was treated like stereo instructions. You yeah. know that nobody really felt compelled to sit down and read. I think what Mr. Sorbo needs to do is look at the man in the mirror and understand that that man sucks. Yeah. (laughs) Fair. And made me watch the God's Not Dead movie. Had to review that thing. You did. For the rap, my former employer. Um... It was a toss-up. I either wanted to talk about that with you here, or I wanted to talk about the TikTok reviewer article that was so funny. Oh, good. Yes. But we don't have to do that. No. Because actually, I don't give a I don't give a single heck about the young uh, critics on on TikTok. If oh, they are, Dave, they're the new Kaiju Cinema, according if, to the New York Times. No, here's the deal. <laughs> if if any of them are for real and not just you know uh, paid influencers, uh, paid influencers to you know hype up stuff. Then they will. I, I haven't seen any of them. Yeah, I haven't looked at any of them. I just read the article and I was like, "Oh, that's fine." I guess you know what I mean. Like it doesn't matter. It, it uh, uh, the good ones will uh, make themselves known, mm. and I, that's that. I really like, and, it. and 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 the crappy ones will make themselves known too, but in an entirely different yeah. lights, camera, Jackson sort of way. <laughs> I, uh, I I liked Kyle Turner's take which was this whole notion of like i just don't trust critics like we watch movies with a different head well you know it's like i mean it depends we're part of the audience and if you prick us do we not bleed uh no i I don't (laughs) bloodless i got nothing in here but turnip grape soda or I used to anyway was in the good old days. No, not anymore. In the good old days, I did. Um, all right, we got a lot of movies. All right, but I really just needed to talk about Kevin Sorbo well, and, and 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 you know trash talk. Uh, any opportunity <laughs> that I have is a good is a good opportunity uh, to lean into that one. There are some new things. That we're going to talk about. Some yeah. brand new spanking new things. Okay. And then there are some things that are oldie, oldie, old, old, old. That have, that some of them came out this spring. Yeah. But I am just now catching up. And, you know, before the summer ends. Yeah. One of the clear the decks. Clear the decks as best as we could. Sure. Um, and therefore, we're going to start with. Bo is afraid. <laughs> Keep it at cutting edge over here. Bo is afraid. I finally, you know, I finally got to see it. Yes. Uh, it was far too long for me to deal with uh, as a currently, uh, but not forever, uh, mobility impaired person. Yes. Sitting in a movie theater seat for three hours, I couldn't, couldn't do it. Right. So I had to wait. As I said on one of the other shows we do, this was before I figured out my Oppenheimer plan, yeah. which was go see it, stand up midway through, walk to the aisle, 
detonate a nuclear device. Yes. Walk to the aisle out of the sight of any other audience. Sure, of course. Remember? And because uh, at, at the Grove, you can do that. There's yeah. a whole wall that separates, but you can still see the screen. Yeah. You can like stand and you can stretch and move your legs and walk around and stuff and do that for, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes, as long as you want. And then you can go back to your chair, which is what I did, but I hadn't thought that one through before when Bo was afraid came in. All I did was panic, really, right. about the, pro- the, the, the problem I would have sitting for that long. And uh, it's funny that I, because the whole movie is a big, giant panic attack. <laughs> kind of. So I would have been uh, even Interacting. more. Interacting. I would have been even more upset if I, <laughs> if I had been in the theater. Ha- having a panic attack during Bo's Afraid is like falling asleep during a Apichapong Veras Ethical Kind of, yeah. It's uh, what so the director wanted. The latest from Ari Aster, who made uh, Hereditary mm-hmm. and Midsummer. Yeah. And it stars Joaquin Phoenix, and it stars uh, Parker Posey mm-hmm. and Patty Lapone, Patty Lapone, and tons of Amy cool Ryan, people. Amy Ryan, uh, the French, the cool French actor Denis Menochet. Um, it's a lot of moving, and I, you know, when you wait this long to see something. You cannot avoid hearing people talk about it. Sure. Having all of their opinions about it. And this movie made everybody have a lot of wild opinions. Look, love it or hate it, it is not the kind of movie you see and go, eh. Yeah, you don't walk out of it (laughs) thinking, yeah, that was... Like, that was... was, My mom would have not walked out of that film and said, that was cute. Like, that would not (laughs) have ever happened. Uh I spent the first 15, because I just finished watching it today. The first 15 minutes is so terrifically frantic and anxiety-filled and nightmarish. Yeah. Not since Mother. That I thought, am I, is this, what if this is all three hours? (laughs) I can't handle this. This is really freaking me out. And then I thought, wait a second. What if it's a comedy? (laughs) What if it's like after hours, but 100 times worse? And also the purge. (laughs) Because that is what it is. So after like the first 15, I thought, you know what? I'm letting myself off the hook. This movie is intentionally funny, and that's where I'm going. It was the only real choice. I didn't have a choice in the matter. I had to shift my perception Mm. into it being a comedy. And I do believe that Mr. Astor uh, intended it to be something like a, a nightmarish, horrific comedy. Yeah, no, I think it's a fair read. Um, but even if he didn't mean that, I cannot endure uh, three hours of a freak-out meltdown shriek. So Joaquin Phoenix is a guy whose life is 24-7 chaos. The kind of thing where 
the doctor says, take a pill and you must take it with water or you die. And then he takes the pill and none of his faucets work. <laughs> and he runs across the street to the convenience store to get a bottle of water and he's 20 cents short, but he drinks it anyway. And the guy's like, I'll call the police. You know, outside, when I say the purge, I mean the purge. Outside, people are being murdered and destroyed and run over. Run over. And it's, it's, it is a frenzy of bad things taking place everywhere you look. The choreography of this, of this chaos and this murder and this mayhem is, to me, reminiscent of like the Catskills episode of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel where <laughs> there's 200 people all moving in different directions and you know that Amy Sherman Palladino is sitting up in a crane noticing that one person missed their mark and making them do it over again. <laughs> That's how this felt. This felt like... It's like Lars von Trier's It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. Yes. <laughs> um, all he's trying to do is get home to see his mommy. But maybe she's dead. Maybe she's been killed with her face cut off by a falling chandelier. We don't know. You know who the voice of the UPS guy was? Uh, somebody. Bill Hader. Oh, Bill Hader, yes. Okay. And then it goes like that. And he runs into all these people he knows, people he doesn't know. There's a, uh, there's a character named Birthday Boy Stab Man, which I, he is my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> the movie I mean, well, here's the thing I mean you, you're very accurately describing the first like 20 minutes or so yeah but then the movie shifts gears yes, yes. over and over again it does <laughs> it does but it never stops it never stops feeling like you're stuck in a, a nightmarish loop yes but then it becomes a thing of like well is he doing it to himself right. is it being done to him or is this just how the world is yeah and those answers I find less satisfying than the just madness of the beginning. I carried the madness with me, and here's what I think. I think Joaquin Phoenix deserves any accolades that he has been given for this performance because it is haunted and sorrowful, and his physical being in every moment is is a correct decision <laughs> like the way his body moves and he can make it look lopsided and you know crumpled and just beaten down everywhere he goes uh, the camera is always trying to overpower him and it and it does it wins uh, he's, it's like, he, it's like he's in a battle with the, with Ari Aster. Um, it is a horrific emotional nightmare from, from beginning to end. Uh, okay. Yeah. What do you think? I, I think it starts like a horrific nightmare. Yeah. yeah. And by the end of it. I, I, the options either seemed like 
there was a vast conspiracy to destroy this guy's life, mm-hmm. or... And that's not a horrific emotional nightmare Or, or this guy had it coming. I don't know. It just... Uh, here's the thing. Uh, what it reminded me of, and yeah. I thought was a much more effective way to tell this story, and in about, you know, one-sixth of the time... Yeah. Have you ever seen an early Paul Bartel short film called The Secret Cinema? No, I haven't. It, he actually remade it as an episode of Amazing Stories. All right. Uh, the, the Steven Spielberg series. And the premise is this woman who goes to her therapist because she is convinced that people are following her around and secretly like humiliating her and filming it and they're all gathering at this secret cinema to watch her be humiliated. Yeah. And it turns out she's right. <laughs> no, I know. Uh, and I, Because this... there's just stuff that, well, things that happen near the end. Yeah. That and... are... And, Horrific emotional. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. The, the way this played out, I stopped caring. I stopped caring. I kept caring about him. I didn't care about him anymore. Oh, okay. I, because, because my choices were either he is the victim of a vast, horrible conspiracy. Yeah. Or um, he is a, you know, he is a weak-willed loser who brought all of this upon himself. And I think the movie well, kind that, of... I feel sorry for him. I feel the movie kind of flirts with both. And after a while, I'm just like, well... Too bad, I guess. <laughs> so anyway, let's talk about Ari Aster for a minute. Um, over the course of these three films, uh-huh. he has turned domestic scenarios mm-hmm. in one way or another. You know, a family drama, a relationship drama, a, 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 a parent-child, mm-hmm. you know, fraught relationship. Yeah. He turns these domestic relate these domestic scenarios into these just like screams, yeah, <laughs> into a void. And I think he's got more in common with Gaspar Noé mm. than with maybe uh, you know, uh, well, with, than with anyone else really. Uh, with the exception of Midsummer, which I thought was actually very entertaining and scary and funny. Mm-hmm. Um, I think his movies are more fascinating objects than they are entertainment experiences. Yeah. He lays it on real thick. Kind of every time. Yeah. I I think my thing with him is he doesn't know when to quit. But I'm... Oops. Sorry. I'm kind of okay with that, though. All right. I I like it when a filmmaker goes for it and demands to do it his own way. Mm. Her own way. Their own way. I I, so, I I like the idea of that. I don't necessarily like the result of that all, right. <laughs> all the time. He, he does what he wants, and not many people can get away with that mm. or accomplish that. One of our listeners just this morning talking to us referred to it as a show. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, you know, yeah, <laughs> it is. But I'm also glad it's here. Because I need movies to stop being boring uh, product advertisements. Yeah, I, I mean, I uh, for for I don't like the movie nearly as much as you do. But yes, I'm glad the opportunity still exists for people to make these kinds of movies. Yeah. I would love it. Like if... is a word that I don't know that I I'm, I'm with yet in terms of how I feel about it. Okay, because I don't 
think I want to, I mean, I was saying this earlier today. I want to watch it again just for the visual component. Yeah. Just for the Easter eggs. The incredible (laughs) detail. Yeah. There's so much detail. There are so many things that you aren't catching because there's so much happening at once. Um, uh, That is the reason I would look at it again. I would absolutely disengage from yeah, it. Yeah, you don't want to subsume that. into it again. No. Uh, and anyone who casts Parker Posey in anything well, is a, a cinema hero. Yes. So there's that. And she's here. Giving you everything she's got mm-hmm. the way she always does. Yes. One of our great cultural treasures. Indeed. Parker Posey. Did they lose you in the woods? No. Uh, I didn't... I didn't like or dislike that sequence more than any other one, but I've read a lot of people say that that's the moment where the movie lost them. No. You can do anything in a movie. I don't care. Right. <laughs> I don't care. Moving on. Bottoms. <sighs> bottoms. Where, again, they do anything. Yeah. <laughs> you can do anything in bottoms, and they do do anything in bottoms. Uh, from uh, Emma Seligman. Yes. Co-written by its co-star, Rachel Sennett. Yes. Together, they made uh, Shiva Baby mm-hmm. a couple few years ago. Yeah. Which is uh, also a cool movie. What's this one about, Alonso? <laughs> so, uh, Rachel Sennett and uh, Iowa Debery play high school lesbians. Sydney on the Bear. Sydney on the Bear. Yeah. The voice of April in the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, they play high school lesbians who are uh, referred to by the principal of the school as the ugly, untalented gays, <laughs> which should give you some idea of how little this movie is tethered to a recognizable reality per se, right. while at the same time absolutely nailing high school in a million right. ways. Right. Um, they are nerds and outcasts, and they in the tradition of so many high school movies before them, really want to have sex with the hot cheerleaders that they're into. Right. Uh, who are played by Havana Rose Lou and uh, Kaya, Gerber. Kaya Gerber. the Who looks exactly like her mother. The eerily lookalike <laughs> daughter of Cindy Crawford. Um, and through a complicated series of events, uh, uh, the two lead characters start an after-school fight club for women which is ostensibly to teach self-defense and empower the sisterhood. But again, really, they just want to have sex. (laughs) And this movie is, oh God, it's brilliantly bananas. Um, It's one of those films that lets you know early on that all bets are off and miraculously remains all bets are off all the way to the closing credits. From start to finish. Because... You know, so many so many movies will will it, you, it flirts for a moment with we might have to learn something. We might have to learn something. We might get a little bit heartfelt, and they ever so gracefully just whoosh through right that. Past it. Uh, they, they 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 stop to touch it, mm. but they don't dwell on no. it. The, nothing grinds to a halt for it to happen. It's like, remember the original Wayne's World? <laughs> yes. The moment where, like, all seems lost and he's yes. sad. Yeah. And they just, like, okay, that happened. And they just, they yeah. just, they leave it behind. Yes. This movie does something very similar in terms of just, like, getting on with back to the funny stuff. 
Um, yeah, I, I, you know what? In a just world, uh, uh, Emma Seligman gets a, a Bo is Afraid budget right. to do whatever the heck yeah. she wants at yeah. some point because I think now she this is two films in and her movies are no less singularly like uh, uh, auteur driven and unlike anything else and completely successful on the terms that they set out to be yeah. than Astor's work is. These movies belong to her. Yeah. Like, you know, you already know two movies in what you're, what you're getting. Yeah. Um, and what you're getting is, and I've gone back and forth with myself about whether I should make this kind of pronouncement. And then I decided that my pronouncements are meaningless. So I'm just going to say what I want to say. Go for it. This is a worthy successor to Heather's. Agreed. Yeah. Absolutely agreed. And probably the first movie since Heather's that even made me want to think about saying that. Yeah. We're old. Yes. And we remember the entire decade of 80s teen movies Mm -hmm. and 90s teen movies. And 2000s, not another teen movies. <laughs> and, but I'm a cheerleaders. And we watched Daria in the 90s. Yes. But when Heathers came out, it was like a bolt of lightning. Mm. It was like the, the most amoral, <laughs> wicked thing. True. And true thing. It's so wrong that some kid for the rap a couple years ago oh, wrote an article about how shocked and their moral appalled. sensibilities, appalled they were by Heathers. And I was like, good. This is, it's doing its job. That's what you get. And this one yeah. goes down the same we don't give a damn, like, mindset. Right. You <laughs> you are rooting for teen lesbians who are basically acting like the boys in Porky's. And, <laughs> yeah. And yet, at the same time, it is so knowing about what it's doing. Oh, for sure. And has such a... Such has such a hidden good heart <laughs> that you you watch it say essentially, well, let's meet a culture that is violently anti us and be violent. <laughs> <laughs> what if we did that? Why not? And then what if doing that gets us super laid? <laughs> because honestly, that's actually what we care about. Um, it is unconcerned with being good or respectful, but it does so much. It does so much with so much intelligence and so many gymnastically contorted comedic scenarios. <laughs> and it has almost none. I couldn't really even trace it. There's a really bothersome quality in films that are offensive. Yes. Where quite often the filmmaker leans into the, hey, look at me. Am I offending you? Does this bug you? This kind of bravado. And this movie doesn't do that. No. It just 
is. skips around <laughs> doing anything it wants. Yeah. I was laughing so much I was crying, and I missed lines. I, I want missed to, jokes. I want to see it with an audience. When I come back, I want to see it in a theater. We watched it on a on a press release yeah. uh, link. Um, I want to see it in a theater. I don't want to see it with an audience because, ooh, too many people around me. <laughs> I, I don't like that. And the, in the theaters, it's already opened uh, this weekend. Yeah, in an extremely limited release. Ten screens. Ten screens across the United States where it has been playing to packed yeah. houses. Um, and it's going to go wider this coming week. And it's going to expand to like 700 theaters mm -hmm. uh, next week, which, you know, it's very funny to me watching the uh, Twitter reaction to it. Mm -hmm. Primarily, the young Twitter users that are being, you know, it's being aimed at them. Yeah. Are like, why only 10 theaters? Why? Ugh. Why? Why not everywhere now? Why? 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 And I, and I, and I kept thinking, oh, you have no idea how kids, anything works. Kids, do you? you don't know how this works. They're making you salivate. Yes. Everyone is packing into theaters in these 10 screens and killing it with the, the per screen average. I read it. You sent it to me. Yeah. I didn't read it. You read it to me. And that's why they're doing it. This is a marketing technique. They're stoking you It is a up. limited platform release. And next week, you get to see it. Yeah. If you are near one of those 700 theaters, you have a higher likelihood of being near one of those 700 theaters. Yes. So, um, and then, of course, there are the people who are like, why is this all about sex? <laughs> and oh, I'm like, no. And I'm like, well, let me tell you something. Young Gen Z person. <laughs> this is the film that is for you, and it's the film you deserve. <laughs> yes. Film some might argue it's the film that you need because I, if I hear any more of this dialogue about, ew, why, why do you have sex scenes? It's like, <laughs> <sighs> there are barely any sex scenes in the No, film. there yeah. aren't. But as a, as a, as a Twitter, but they talk about it a lot as their Twitter argument. It makes me crazy. It's like, is okay. I know you grew up on YA novels yes. or whatever, but yes. like time to move on to the next <laughs> phase of your life. So, um, We, you and I, went to see the movie Strays mm. Saturday morning, yesterday morning. Yes. And the Grove AMC at 10 a.m. on a Saturday morning, and then at noon when we got out, kind of a ghost town. It's like the end of August, and, yeah. and that's what's happening. It's, it's pre-Labor Day weekend, and but today... Today... Today is the big day. National... And that's why I'm glad we were there yesterday. Yes, National today. Cinema Day, yeah. where all the tickets were four bucks. So I think anybody... Who was going to go to the movies this week? I was like, oh, I'll just I'll, I'll wait, go I'll Sunday. Wait a day. Right. <laughs> but anyway, Bottoms is on two screens at the Grove right now. And as we were walking out of Strays, mm -hmm. um, one screening of Bottoms was ending and people were leaving, and one screening was about to start and people were coming in. And the target demographic was out in force. <laughs> Young queers, as far as the eye could see. Oh. The next generation. I love the kids, unless they're annoying. But I generally, <laughs> in general, love the new generation of queer kids. Um, 
And I especially love that you can spot them by how they dress. <laughs> I mean, twas ever so, right? I, it was. Everyone knew what we looked like back yeah. in the early 90s, I know. But the deal is this. I saw four of the greatest t-shirts <laughs> on four of the coolest looking young people Okay, as they were exiting and leaving. So, Exiting and entering, you mean? Yeah, exiting and entering. Uh, a young, a young, a young woman mm-hmm. uh, with a homemade T-shirt. It looked filthy, honestly. It looked like it had. It used to be a white T-shirt, uh-huh. but then it was sort of like aged. <sighs> Maybe just left in the backyard for a while, <laughs> like <laughs> in big sharpie letters across the front. Mm-hmm. She had just written "slut." Okay. I was like, reclaim. Good good for you. Nice one. Five steps behind her. I don't know if it was a person who was with her or not. Another young uh, person, femme presenting, Mm -hmm. with a vintage Cocteau Twins shirt on. And you know that if you're 20 and you've got a Cocteau Twins shirt on, you're just not like finding that somewhere. You love the Cocteau Twins. And that... Filled my heart with joy. <laughs> oh, Grandpa. And then there were two uh, little gay boys. Mm-hmm. One, again, more T-shirts. One of them was a, a huge, seemingly bootleg Kelly Clarkson shirt with her, her giant face mm-hmm. on it and the word Kelly across <laughs> the top. And then the best one of all, a boy wearing a pink T-shirt that just said serotonin on it. Serotonin. So, have you met sluts? I'm. I'm. This makes me. This makes me like the kids. I, I'll tell you. I'm. I'm delighted. Our own lesbian niece runs around wearing baseball caps that simply say lasagna or parmesan. So yeah. like it's. <laughs> I I get it. I, I I love that this movie is having is is flying off the shelves in the opening weekend. Yeah. Because my thought was like whatever happens to it now, it's going to be a cult movie. Yeah. It is so uniquely weird and yeah. committed to the thing that it's it doing. Is very, it is really weird. It, it is committed to the thing <laughs> that it's doing, and if you like the thing that it's doing, you'll love it, and if you don't like the thing it's doing, you'll just despise it. Marshawn Lynch, by the way. Oh God. Plays. The worst teacher oh, man. in the world, but also the best yes. teacher in the world. He's he's, uh, he's really funny. Uh, but so I, so I thought, well, you know, maybe maybe it won't take off immediately, but the people will find this movie and they will, you know, cling it to their nope, bosom. It's taking off nope, immediately. They're 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 so on our, it. Our, what we worried about is not happening. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a hit. And it's it's produced by Elizabeth Banks's production company. Yeah, and I just constantly think she's so cool. She yeah. directed Cocaine Bear. Yeah. She directed yeah. the underappreciated last Charlie's Angels movie with uh, Kristen Stewart. That, we both like that. Yeah. Go Ebanks. We also both like, although you cannot call what we're about to say a review, mm, because yes. we cannot officially review this Correct. Film. Haunted Mansion. Yeah. From... The wonderful Justin Simeon, Mm -hmm. whom we have known for years. Yes. All the way back in the day when he was a publicist. Right. He used to be the person at Paramount who would actually pick up the phone when I would call. Yes. 
And that's when I knew. He is a, he is, I will love you forever, Justin Simeon. He is a right-on dude. And he, has, he was uh, assigned by Walt Disney Corporation to direct Haunted Mansion. Yes. I feel the same way about this career development as I feel about Greta Gerwig directing Barbie. Yeah. I don't like the IP. Right. But. I want to see what this person does with it. But here we are. And if you're going to give me the IP, then give it to Justin Simeon. Yeah, hire someone cool to do it. Give it to Greta Gerwig, all right? Justin, as a filmmaker, has his own point of view. Yes. And you do see it here in the same way that you saw Greta Gerwig giving you hers in Barbie. So it is industrial filmmaking. It is it is driven by a corporation. But inside that box, he is working on his own stuff. Oh, now, yeah. The story is Rosario Dawson and her kid. They move into the haunted mansion. Um, the uh, the father has is deceased, and uh, they run. Uh, they bring in Lakeith Stanfield, right. who is uh, a. a, a a scientist. A scientist. He's a sad scientist who has, uh, and he has reasons to be sad. You yeah, learn, yes. You learn about that later, and I won't give it away, but it's actually really moving. Yeah. Um, he sells it. And and he has been, he has become a ghost tour guide. Right. Who spends his ghost tours telling everybody that it's all a sham, it's all a fraud, <laughs> that there are no ghosts, and the tourists are just like, what? Like, they just keep going anyway. And, but the Haunted Mansion is full of, as you know, if you've ever been to Disneyland or Disney World or mm-hmm. any of the Disney theme parks across the globe, the Haunted Mansion is full of ghosts. Yes. N- 999, right? Yes. Yeah. And so that's part of that figures into the plot. Like, what, why... Why they're trying to get the last soul yeah. into the into the haunted mansion, and who they want it to be? I won't give away any of that. No. Um, it is based on a theme park ride, and as such, if you've been on that ride enough times, now I've lived in Southern California for twenty-four years. I've lived in Los Angeles for twenty-four years, and I've been to Disneyland. What? A handful of times. Yeah. Half a dozen times. Every few years, friends go, and they're like, want to go to Disneyland? I'm like, yeah, I haven't been there in like four or five years. Why not? It's it's fun. It's fun to go to Disneyland. Weirdly, I can't remember the last time that I went through the Haunted Mansion when it wasn't... The Nightmare Before, before Christmas. Christmas. Right. Yeah. But it's still basically... It's the same thing. Yeah. They just include the, haunted, the, the Nightmare Before Christmas yeah, characters... Yeah, change some narration. ...in the thing, yeah. Um... And I love the Haunted Mansion. Yeah. And one of the things it's I... It's a re- sitting ride, and it's an air-conditioned It's ride. sitting, and it's air-conditioned. <laughs> one of the things I love about the Haunted Mansion ride, mechanically, yes. is the way the cars move. Mm-hmm. You are in a car that looks like a like a giant tombstone. Diner booth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like a, like, yeah, like a diner booth, but it also like a, like a big bloated tombstone. Sure. And, and it... Spins you in a way that is not like motion sickness making, no, but the, just enough to show you the thing it wants to show you. Yeah. So sometimes you're moving backwards, sometimes you're moving sideways. Up a hill. Up a hill. It's great. Yeah. It's a wonderful, fun ride. The movie drops every like mechanical element of the ride at some point in the film mm. and works it into the narrative in a way that is super fun. 
Um, there is also real emotions and real acting going on. These yes. actors are giving performances with just enough, you know, appropriately darkly lit set effects to expand on the ride. The movie owns the fact that it is about death and dying. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it is about death and dying. Yeah. Um, but here's what I really want to say to sell to sell you on this because I mean screw it we're reviewing this movie right now but you know we have compromised yes <laughs> we have compromised aesthetics when it comes to this film because we know and like the filmmaker yes all right and Philip Bartel who edited yes um when I was a kid I've told this story so many times but I'm just going to tell it again when I was a kid, we had a babysitter most Saturday nights because my parents were divorced and I lived with my dad. And my dad was like, I'm sorry, it's 1976. I got to go out and meet the ladies at Mr. Goodbar. So, like, <laughs> he was out doing that and he would bring in the babysitters. And oh, how I loved the babysitters because the babysitters let you just stay up. And if the stars aligned perfectly on a Saturday night, not only did we have a babysitter, but NBC Saturday Night at the Movies was showing a live-action Disney film. For example, The Parent Trap. The old one, not the Lindsay Lohan one. Yeah. I'm, as I said, extremely old. Haley Mills I am and old, Haley Mills. I am old Gen X. I knew the Haley Mills version yeah. and the Brian Keith version yeah. back in the day. That is a long movie. Yeah. And you, it would be in a three-hour block. With commercials. And that meant we got to stay up until 11 o'clock. We got to stay up until the news was on. What? Yeah. And so um, that, that was like a perfect evening at home with a Disney movie on television. And this movie gave me that same live action Disney movie feel that I grew up with. All those really dumb Disney live action movies. Like, what would, where were we just recently talking about Million Dollar Duck? Million Dollar Duck, yes. <laughs> and um, but They weren't all great. No. But they were great to me, and they felt a certain way. Sure. They, they moved in a certain way. They hit certain beats. They had just enough sincerity and goofiness to keep you going. Yeah. And that's exactly what this is doing. This is old school Disney live action film. Mm. And I'm. Yeah, no, I, I am pro Haunted Mansion. <laughs> Sadly, it's already leaving movie theaters. Yeah, no, I know. No one went to see it. And, but it's going to hit Disney Plus like in October. Of course, for Halloween. So when you can see it, yeah. You should watch it. Like it's it does it totally it does totally scratch that old Disney itch. Yeah. But with, you know, All the much way. much better special effects. All the way. Uh and you obviously know that that uh, Justin and and the writer Katie Dippold uh, do not watch Hallmark movies. Yes. Because they would have known that uh they the, they they make a reference to something that I, I won't give away, but that, that's very similar to a series of Dumb Christmas yeah. movies that uh, happen, and uh, I think if they'd known about that, they would have maybe come up with another term. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, there's also a fun cameo. 
Mm. That yes. I will not spoil. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, but, and and but it's a delightful one and, that works and and fits everything in yes, the film. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And the ones you you are the people you already know are in it are a lot of fun to watch. Jamie Lee Curtis, yeah, is always Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito's fun. You know, Dan Levy yeah. pops in, does his thing, and he's off. You know, real gay. Oh well, <laughs> amen. <laughs> Uh, moving in the complete other opposite direction, a small indie film. Uh, also a queer film, just like Bottoms, but but light years away. Mm. It's called Mutt. Yes. And it is from uh, a filmmaker whose name I am about to destroy, and I feel bad about that. We, we did it on uh, Max Film. The first name is Vuk. Okay, Vuk Lungulov? Yeah. Klotz. Yes. It's a hyphenated last name. Yes. Uh, he is a Chilean Serbian filmmaker. Mm-hmm. This is his debut narrative feature. Uh, he is a trans filmmaker. Yes. And it's about a young uh, trans man, Chilean descent. Yes. Lives in New York named Fenya, which we learn. Uh, is a gender-neutral name. One of the few in, Chilean in, ones, in Chile, apparently. Yeah. Um, it takes place over the course of a single, extremely uh, hectic, yes, <laughs> hectic day, uh, where Fenya's past becomes part of his present. Yes. His younger sister. His father. And his ex-boyfriend. And he's lost touch with all of them for various reasons that are either explained directly or at least alluded to yeah. uh, in the course of the film. And he has to not only tackle all three of those relationships <laughs> again in a single day, but also... Try to get a car to Newark and back, and then losing car keys and stuff. It's there are bits of Bo is afraid. <laughs> I was gonna say in this where like nothing's going right, but the reason nothing's going right is because Fenya is in his twenties. Yeah, and and he doesn't have his life fully together yet. He's been focusing so much on the transition. Yes. That everything else is sort of like, you know what? That can wait. <laughs> I'm just going to keep screwing it up and uh, uh, getting hungover and sleeping with the wrong people and maybe doing some cocaine and uh, and uh, not having enough money on me to do a thing. And uh, I don't have the ID at the bank. And my boss wrote my old name on the check, <laughs> on the check and the teller's being a jerk. And I ah, like that's the day yeah. that Fenya is experiencing. Uh, played by trans actor uh, Leo Mihiel, who's just... Been around for a while and been doing stuff. Yeah, but is uh, is arresting in this. Oh, for sure. Uh, and also a uh, a young gay uh, actor named Cole Doman, who plays the ex-boyfriend. Yes. If you saw a, a queer indie called Henry Gamble's Birthday Party, hmm. uh, Cole Doman was Henry Gamble. Yeah. So this is the flip side of Bottoms. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> this is a serious-minded story Yes, about getting into your 20s and still being a total mess. Yes. 
again, as I said, like in his life, the, his transition has kind of been the dominant thing. So his life is still definitely a work in progress. Yeah. And th- this, even if this character weren't transitioning, would just being be a mess anyway. Yeah, exactly. Just being in your twenties. There's one. We'll do it there's a you. really amazing scene where he finally has it out with the ex-boyfriend. Yeah, with whom he has unwisely had sex again yes. after a year and a half of just like ghosting. And the and ex. unprotected sex to the extent that, that he's got to go get some Plan B right for yeah. the next day. Um, and. The ex is like, no one hates you because you're trans. They hate you because you're an (laughs) a-hole. And it's not meant to be funny. It's meant to be this sort of like wake-up moment. But you kind of are laughing anyway because you're seeing yourself and all the dumb mistakes you made in your 20s when you were in your 20s. Um, He has to endure so many indignities, but he also has to endure his own self-inflicted stumbles. Um, and the, the wonderful thing about this film is that throughout it all, A, you're rooting for him and mm-hmm. you know that there is hope for him and that he can pull through. Like you are rooting for a little bit of calm, a little bit of peace, a little bit of emotionally satisfying care yeah. for him and, 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 and from him to others. And you know the a-hole line isn't true because he's so good to his sister. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. This is a very gentle, uh, very humanist filmmaking. Yes. And it is attentive to emotional nuance. It frames this character as a growing entity and a growing force for power in his own life. Through the way uh, Leo Mihiel is just moving in the way he reacts to situations and to other people, the way he's juggling so, so, so many things at once. Um, it is a, it's a great performance. Yeah. This is a wonderful, sort of very confident first film, and I really, I really hope people watch it. It is not getting half the attention that the wild, weird comedy <laughs> Bottoms is getting, but it is equally important a yes. piece of queer cinema for 2023. Oh, yeah, no question. I'd say, yeah, both of them are, 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 are moving the needle in a lot of ways. I think this is a trans film that really deals with trans bodies in a way that I haven't seen in a lot of movies. Uh, yeah, very directly. Where Fenya um, talks about, this is what top surgery was like, and this is what the recovery was like, and takes his shirt yeah, off and shows it. Yeah. Here's the scars. Right. Uh, the fact, the, the whole Plan B stuff, you yeah. know. Uh, even the fact that his cisgender younger sister coincidentally has her first period while they're hanging out, yes. and they have to deal with that. They have to deal you with know? that. And and the the, the 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 subtle shifts between Gen Z and whatever the twelve year olds are called. <laughs> yes. Does that generation even have a name? Beats Cause, me. Because 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 uh, uh, Fenya's I think he, at one point he says he's like twenty six. I think twenty seven yes, something yeah. like that. And and the and the and the the the, the 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 little sister who was like in middle school, when he says, "Do you get it? I'm trans." And she goes, okay, cool. I have trans friends. I have trans friends at school. Like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Can we talk about me now? I'm 13. <laughs> like, it is really, 
it is really spot on about yeah. all kinds of human behavior. Um, I, I love it. Yeah, I, go I see love, this movie. I love this movie. Yeah. Be on the lookout for it. Strand, bless their hearts, putting it out. Strand uh, releasing the great Strand. The great releasing. Strand releasing. Yeah. Still at it. Uh, we were just having a conversation about. Is someone knocking on our door? I couldn't tell. It, you know, indie companies that that yeah. get absorbed by by bigger companies or that you know go away. And Strand has been doing the good work for you know more than thirty years now. Someone was knocking on our door. Yes. It's friend and neighbor. neighbor Gary Cardi. Gary Cardi. <laughs> he, he waves to you all. Uh, you have 60 seconds to talk about the re-release of Old Boy. Oh, um, yeah. Old Boy. It's still completely unsettling <laughs> 20 years later. Um, it's getting a... a a new 4K uh, yeah. restoration like I, I got a, in theaters. Yeah, right yeah. Neon is putting it out and putting it out rather widely, which is exciting. Um, I happened to see it at the Alamo here, that which came with a, a pre-recorded intro and Q and A with uh, with the director, uh, with Park Chan Wook, and um, yeah, it's. I had I remembered like the big reveal of that movie, but I'd forgotten all of the icky little ones along the way and oh, yeah. uh, there's a, oh there's a lot yeah it's a yeah. it is a squirmy movie but just su- such great storytelling i mean yeah. the way that you were kind of plunged into this life and this extraordinary circumstance where this guy is held prisoner in like an apartment for you know 15 years and then you find out why and you find and out you why. find out even more horrible yeah yeah the, yeah the more you find out the less you wish you knew yeah um but just the 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 all the way that the pieces fit together and the motivations behind things and the randomness yeah. of it all um yeah it's it 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 it, it still does uh it does what it says on the box. I haven't say I haven't seen it since its initial release years ago. Yeah, uh, but I would like to watch it again just because I think it's such a great and definitely unnerving. It made me realize um, that I saw the Spike Lee remake and I don't remember a single. Not thing really. About I don't it. remember much about the Spike. Lee Don't version. remember it. <laughs> we saw it. We probably reviewed it on this show. Probably. I don't remember much about it at yeah. all. Yeah. But anyway, uh, it, it's probably near you. You should see it if you're up for that kind of thing. I saw Spider-Man. Hooray! Across the Spider-Verse. And here's what it's about. On Earth-65, police captain George Stacy is unaware that his daughter Gwen Stacy is Spider-Woman. Years prior, Gwen accidentally caused the death of her best friend, Peter Parker, while he was rampaging as the Lizard. And police have been hunting her ever since. One night, Gwen encounters a version of the Vulture from an Italian Renaissance-themed alternate universe. Spider-People Miguel O'Hara and Jess Drew arrive using portal-generating watches and help Gwen neutralize the Vulture. George corners Gwen, who then reveals her identity to him. Distraught, he attempts to arrest her. Miguel reluctantly grants Gwen membership into the Spider-Society allowing her to escape with him and Jess. In Brooklyn on Earth 1610, 16 months after the Alchemic Collider's destruction, Miles Morales encounters the Spot, an alchemic scientist whose body was infused with portals during the Collider explosion. The Spot blames Miles for causing his condition and reveals that while testing the Collider, he had transported a spider from another dimension, Earth 42, which bit Miles and turned him into Spider-Man. The Spot then accidentally <laughs> transports himself into a void where he travels to other universes containing Alchemax colliders to empower himself further. Gwen travels to Earth 1610. And there's four more paragraphs of this <laughs> on the wiki page. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot. So I'm going to summarize this film in one sentence. Please. 
700 Spider-Mans all pointing at each other. (laughs) Uh, And what a blast it is. This is a movie that gives... Me a seizure. Yes. Yes. I think it's a movie that gives comics fans like everything that they want, while at the same time roasting comic fans for insisting upon like clinging to the paradigm of narrative that you know that the, the, they, they want... talk about canonical events yes that are canonical events and people interrupting canonical events ah yeah so I'm too stupid to the, know so basically what's what basically the people okay remember we yeah. we joked about the person who said i don't like seeing batman do things during the day yeah or sorry i don't like seeing batman doing batman things yes. during the day yes there is a whole strain of comics people who are very upset okay. when you tinker yes. with the core of these stories. You can tell these stories a million times yes. in a million different ways, but yes, but there are certain things that must remain sacred or they're going to have a conniption about it. All right. And this movie is all about the idea of that being nonsense. Okay, so... Here's the thing about that. I didn't get that mm-hmm. because I don't know that world. Okay. I go to, as I've said so many times, and every time a Marvel or DC movie comes out, I go to the film and I say, oh, look, it's time to, for me to spend two hours with my old friend Spider-Man <laughs> and all his pals. And and this one's two and a half hours of with my old friend Spider-Man and, and so many his, more pals so many more pals and so many more Spider-Mans and I stopped understanding what was happening <laughs> and I just enjoyed the cacophony and there's plenty of that and it is fully enjoyable but don't ask me to tell you what's going on <laughs> like at all like I will most likely before the next one comes out next summer, I will uh-huh. most likely sit down with the television, yes, and kind of refresh myself on the first one and then this one, sure, because I do want to make a stab at understanding what's happening. But when you are pouring, like, as the the, the thing you joke made about Speed Racer, a giant bag of Skittles directly into my eyes. <laughs> How am I supposed to know what's happening? I guess I'm not supposed to know. I guess this is not my world. Like, it's not for me, but I just, I'm happy to go to the party. Sure. Even if it's not a party that's being held in my honor. You know? This is one where I would love a Blu-ray where there's a version of the movie An that's annotated. Yes, the pop-up video version. An annotated version with like the with balloons and yeah. arrows. And be like, okay, this is this, and that is that, and this is the because there's so much to take in. Yeah. it's it's staggering. Uh, our friend Doctor Steve really wanted to know your thoughts about Spider Punk. Oh, okay. No, I do have thoughts about Spider Punk, <laughs> and the film is in the par in the parlance of the '76 era punks taking the piss (laughs) so that is that was amusing to me yeah that's all he's made of zine (laughs) um no he's kind of made of he's kind of made of uh uh, cliche and no i mean visually graphically visually graphically he is made of zine for sure yes no right that that's true 
But, I mean, come on. Yeah, no. What is a zine but a cliche mm. object? And I know, I know, because I made them in the 80s <laughs> and into the 90s. It's true, you did. I come from that. I come from that world. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so, um, by all means, immerse yourself in the what am I even looking at yes. of Spider-Man across the And if you bridge. want to parse it, go for it. And if you want to just let it wash over you, that's fun too. That is what I did. Yeah. I knew I had no other choice. That's but, all. But I, I think that if you do, you know, look at it as more than just a series of fleeting images, like it does actually have some emotional resonance. Oh, it does that as well. Yeah. I mean, yes, that's certainly there. I'm not saying that 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 it's an empty or shallow film. Yeah. It's, it's not. Sure. They are the the people who make this and who made the other one are committed. <laughs> yeah. In a way that I find really staggering and I don't uh I don't know how you accomplish well something like this. And they're changing mainstream animation. Yeah. That movies can look like this. Yeah. That are not like experimental. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. and and you're starting to see it rub off on things like the new Ninja Turtles movie and stuff. Yes. That, like you can have this sort of visual discordance going on and, and you know, in a movie for kids and it's okay. Right. Right. Uh, hey, Gary. Yo. What do you think of Strays? Boo. <laughs> <laughs> Woof. Some dogs. No, no, that's a whole different <laughs> no, but like, vernacular. Yeah. No, no, hang on. Slow down. <laughs> if something stinks. He means it in the bad way. Woof. Oh, I get it. All right. Yeah. Uh, all right. So this, uh, who made this movie? Uh, from the director of Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar. Well, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry t- for that man. Um, and Lord and Miller produced I'm it. I'm just assuming. This director is a man, because still, to this day, many of them are. He is. Um, Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar, can watch it again and again and again. Mm-hmm. And have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Strays is about some dogs, voiced by uh, Will Ferrell and Jamie Foxx. And some other ones. Isla Fisher and Randall Park. Isla Fisher and Randall Park. This was written by the guy who created that Netflix show, American Vandal. Okay. Uh, the main dog is Will Ferrell, and he is unwitting. He doesn't understand that he is owned by the worst person alive. Yes. Will Forte. He's in a toxic relationship. He treats he... him horribly. Is he is an abused animal, although he doesn't understand that he's an abused animal. He's codependent because he is codependent. Exactly. This is analogous to living with an abusive person, uh, a person who is in an addiction. It is you know you thinking that you're the problem, and that's why everything is bad. At some point, he even says, "If I could just love him enough, eventually he'd love me." Right. So eventually, in the first 15 minutes of the film, Will Ferrell, the dog, is abandoned, and he runs into some strays, and they adopt him into their little crew, and they all go on an incredible journey. And the incredible journey is they want to find Will Forte, again, so that they can bite off his penis. Yes. This is a film that is rated R. Very much so. And it is uh, Jamie Foxx's show all the way. Yeah. He is, 
he, he transcends the technical limitation of this film, and the technical limitation of this film is what sinks it. You've got a bunch of dogs who are a combination of real and uh, digital, I think, mm-hmm. and whose mouths are entirely digital because the mouths move when they talk, yeah. and otherwise their faces remain expressionless. And so when you are doing that, you need sparkling, impeccable dialogue, not just an endless stream of profanity, which is what you are given. Now, there are some funny moments. There are some funny lines. I'd say every 10 minutes, I went like, <laughs> and that's kind of it. Yeah, there are some okay gags and like sort of set pieces. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, like, I don't remember the faces in, say, Babe being this inexpressive. And maybe it's just because it was a better written movie. It's and a so, far better written yeah, movie. Yeah, and so I didn't notice. Uh, but it, what it reminded me of was when they do those Disney live action movies. Yeah. And you wind up with, instead of a cute cartoon warthog, just a, a warthog with right. a moving mouth that talks right. like Seth Rogen. Right. Or a flounder and the Little Mermaid being an actual flounder. Yes. Yeah, the, the dogs are adorable, but... That's but, not enough. Yeah, it's like it's like that that app where you can take a baby picture and make it make the lips move and make it talk. Yeah, but the eyes never move. Right. Yeah, that's what the, these dogs are. And so it's this is the kind of thing that would have made like a really great TV commercial, or like a funny twelve minute Adult Swim thing. Yeah. But as a feature film, it just really starts to sag. It's only it's, ninety minutes, and it feels like. It, a and lot less. more because yeah. it's it's got the one joke and that's it. Yeah. What if we made a talking animal movie, but it was R? Yeah, nothing but swears and lots of oh man, there's so much poop. Oh boy, <laughs> there's so much poop in this, and so many dogs humping so many things yeah. that aren't other dogs. Um, yeah, it's it's actually pretty dull. I I was disappointed. Quite, quite, quite. <laughs> And then, (laughs) finally, there's Talk to Me. Oh, boy. Am I going to have to leave the room? (laughs) I walked out of Talk to Me, everybody. My poor... I'm going to tell you something, audience, listeners, friends. My poor husband. He is so brave. (laughs) He is such a brave little soldier. (laughs) Don't patronize me. I'm not patronizing <laughs> you. I felt bad. I felt bad because halfway through this movie, it becomes so horrifically grim and violent and upsetting Yeah. that you leaned into me and you said, I can't, I can't, I can't. And then you walked out and you... I guess you went to Barnes and Noble? Yes. Okay. <laughs> there's the Grove, AMC, and then there's the Cheesecake Factory, and then there's Barnes and Noble. Right. They're right bang, bang, bang next to each other. Perfect day out, really. Yeah. Why go anywhere else? <laughs> Get yourself an Americana burger. <laughs> Find a nice magazine at Barnes and Noble. Take it to the movie theater with you. Read it while Maria Menunos is saying whatever it is Maria Menunos is saying. No one knows. Uh, so okay, I will be the one to explain. Yes, what I think you should. In this film, it's an Australian horror, supernatural horror film. Yes. 
from uh, Danny and Michael Philip Philippo Philippou. I don't know how to say their last name. It's their first feature. They were like YouTube people or something. Uh, I guess. Okay. All right. The premise is this. There is an embalmed hand <laughs> that is encased in like a, plaster. Cer- a plaster ceramic thing. And this hand is passed from teen group to teen group. In perhaps the cruelest of pranks, because the film opens with a young man who commits not one but two horrific acts within the first 90 seconds of the film. Yeah. And, and it sets up a tone of jolting, brutal, savage behavior on the part of you don't know who next. Yeah. And, and then those characters are left behind. And you don't know why they were included in the first place. You find out much later why. So the hand is at a party with some some teens who are all goading each other into touching the hand, holding the hand as if to shake it. Like you're going to shake the hand of the dead, severed. Shake hands with danger. Embalmed hand. And you're going to say, talk to me, to the hand. While all of your dumb little friends record it on their phones, on their stupid little phones, Mm. and then post the video of your reaction to whatever happens next online. But what happens when you grab the hand and say, talk to me, is you see a dead person. Yeah. (laughs) A real dead person sitting in front of you, and then the next thing your dumb little friends tell you to do is say... I let, I let you, you in. in. That is a bad move. Yeah. Listen, teens, <laughs> teens, don't smoke. Don't smoke. Don't drink too much. Don't use drugs. Don't jump off of high places that other people are jumping off of just because they're jumping off of them too. And don't invoke the dead. And don't invoke the dead. <laughs> to, no good can to, come to, of to come into your To come into your life. Even for the sake of likes. <laughs> <laughs> And, Retweets and 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 and, and hits on your TikTok account. Don't do it. Um, and I'm I'm making I'm making light of this, but this movie takes itself with a deadly seriousness, and has a consistently grim and frightening tone that. Even if you are someone like me who is rarely frightened by uh, horror films and who has no belief in any sort of supernatural at all, the sheer agony of what these kids put themselves and each other Mm. (laughs) through in this film uh, is deeply upsetting. And the part where you left involves so much insane and graphic and gory self-harm. Yeah. 
on the part of a really young teenage boy. Yeah. That it was too much for you. You had to leave. Yeah. Uh, Alonzo's not a big fan of gore, but he can take a little bit of it. Yeah. He can he can do it. He can squeeze his, you know, he can squeal and, and cover his my eyes. Hands and sort of. And you were doing some eye hit. You were doing some hands over the eyes before this moment. Yeah. But this moment, it broke you. And yeah. I, I felt really bad because I was like, oh, no, there's still like 40 minutes left in this. <laughs> I know I could just know, I knew that I too. know from the beats of what's happening here. There's still about forty minutes left here. I knew we were not anywhere near the last act. And I'm I was like, really I, hoping that I'm you done. would go get a nice Wetzel dog, a nice snack or something, you know. But um you were safe in the lobby, you were safe at Barnes and Noble. <laughs> so okay. <laughs> This isn't just a supernatural horror movie where people destroy each other physically or destroy themselves physically. It is also sort of filled with themes of grief and the pain of losing someone because as we progress into the story, we realize that some of the dead who are coming back are people that the characters know. Yeah. And as I said... There are themes floating around here that definitely vibrate with the inherent agony of being on social media and ideas about how do you even survive being a teenager now? Right. Like the terrible ways they treat each other, the punishment of not being in the moment with everybody. <laughs> um, it's a lot of movie. <laughs> and it is a, a, a hundred minutes or so of just punch you in the face and gut. Yeah. So it's really, it's an impressive horror uh, debut. Yeah. Look, if it wasn't good, it wouldn't have upset me. <laughs> <laughs> it's highly effective. Yeah. It yeah. was doing what it was meaning to yeah. be doing. And I was like, I can't watch it keep doing what it's meaning to be doing. I'm out of here. Yeah. So if you if you can handle it, if you can deal with the, the kind of stuff that, I was alluding to that yeah. drove Alonzo out of the theater. Uh, you know, go check, for it. Check it out. People are liking it. Yeah, it's, no, it's, it's doing well. So, uh, the, the I, I'm I'll be curious to see what these filmmakers do next. <laughs> Something grosser. <laughs> <laughs> and will I make it through the whole? You, thing? I'll go. Listen, their next movie, I'll go see it, and I'll let you know what you can handle. Okay, good. I'll tell you what you think about oh, this okay. film. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, now we're done. Awesome. End of podcast. All right. Go to Italy. I'm, fly, fly away. I, I will. So, yeah, stick around this week uh, on this Bat Channel, uh, the feed that you get this free podcast on, and you'll get other podcasts for free You're this week get only. Linoleum Knife presents more Linoleum Knife, where mm -hmm. we will be discussing the film... To live and die in L.A. Yes, from the recently passed William, William Friedkin. Friedkin. You're gonna get uh, LKTV, where uh, one of the main topics is us fighting about red, white, and royal blue. Oh yes, there's that to look forward to. Um, you're gonna get uh, linoleum knife and fork. linoleum knife and fork, where I rip the lid off of the orange egg yolk conspiracy. How we're all being tricked. <laughs> <laughs> 
And, and uh, um, we've already posted uh, Linoleum Nights. Linoleum Nights, which uh, was this. Our Ask Us Anything We episode. do a monthly Ask Us Anything episode, and that's Linoleum Nights. That's the one show where we swear, just yeah. be warned. Usually the shows are profanity-free, mostly. Uh, but Linoleum Nights, we let it rip. That's right. Yeah. So just look out for that. Anyway, and again, if you like any or all of those shows, you can get more of them at patreon.com yeah. slash linoleum knife. Uh, please go to thefilmverdict.com if you want to keep up with my reviews from Venice. They'll be posting there yeah. as I see stuff this film. you week. won't get to see until Christmas. It's true. <laughs> um, and please check out my other podcasts, Maximum Film on the Maximum Fun Network, Breakfast All Day with Christy Lemire. You can uh, watch us on YouTube or catch us as a podcast. And uh, Deck the Hallmark, which is a podcast podcast but also you can watch if you are a subscriber to philo tv um follow us at linoleum cast on twitter instagram and facebook leave us a five-star review on apple podcasts and um you know we'll read it on the air you can also leave positive feedback in the many places that we stream including uh well not really stitcher radio anymore because that's going away but mm-hmm. um spotify and uh apple music and google play and iHeartRadio and you know um Castbox and podbean and all of those kind of different places all the different places um, thank you, Blue, for our theme music. See what he's up to at bleu.bandcamp.com. Uh, drop us a line at linoleumpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, until I return from Italy and we do this all over again, goodbye. Goodbye.